I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to continue just worshiping with a song here. We bow our hearts. I think this is your prayer this morning. We bow our hearts. We bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh, Lord, we cast down our idols to give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our soul to another. In God, let us be a generation that seeks, seeks your face, O God of Jacob. In God, let us be a generation that seeks, seeks your face, O God of Jacob. This is our prayer this morning, God. Now God's people said, amen. You can be seated. If you're visiting with us, we're, we're glad you're here. Um, we really are trying to be a church that is sensitive to the presence and power and leading of the Holy Spirit in our services. And so um, what God's done here this morning is a little bit unexpected, but very welcomed, and uh, we're very thankful uh, for what he does. There's something different, you know, when God really shows up and then works in people's lives, in their bodies. Um, there's something that sermons and human plans can't facilitate, and that is the work of the Holy Spirit and God's work. That's work that only he does. Our part is to come, to be ready, to be expecting, and then to hear from him. Think about, think about the sermons you've heard in the past. Do you, remember, do you remember the three or four points the pastor rattled off? Maybe you remember a sentence, because God spoke that sentence to you, and it made a difference in your life. And that's just how the work of the Lord is. And uh, this morning, I just want to briefly take a look at Psalm 24, which is a, song, a psalm about coming before the Lord in worship. Actually, that song I sang is based on this psalm. Psalmist says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? 
the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Amen. So I have this recurring stress dream. I haven't had it for a couple of years, but I remember having this several times when I was studying for my master's degree. So in this dream, I've signed up for all my classes, and I've gone through the whole semester attending the classes faithfully, getting good marks, getting A's, and acing everything. And then in this dream, the last week of classes, I realized that there's a class I signed up for that I haven't attended any of the classes for. Has anyone had this dream before? I guess it's a common one. And, you, and I realize, oh my goodness, maybe I can still pull this off. So I go, you go into the class, and you're th- I'm thinking, you know, I'm a smart guy in the dream. You know, in the dream. We can dream. And uh, unfortunately, they've read three thick textbooks. They don't make any Nothing that they're talking about makes any sense to me. We get broken up into small groups. I have nothing to say. And I wake up. Like a, a start, you know. Because... It's going to ruin my cumulative GPA. You can't add drop a course that late in the semester, even in your dreams. (laughs) So that's the stuff of nightmares, you know. The idea of showing up for something completely unprepared when the stakes are so high. So that's a nightmare. But think about the simplest things that we, in our real lives, prepare for effectively. Um, Every every time we do them in in our society. Uh, When we go to the movies, we come early or at least we come on time. Uh, we use the restroom. We get our snacks and drinks. We turn off our cell phones, most of us, uh, before we enter the movie, because we don't want to miss any of the good stuff that we paid 10 or 15 bucks for. And uh, when people don't follow these rules, it's very frustrating. <laughs> people come in, they're loud, they're talking. Like, I paid 15 bucks for this movie. The understanding is, think about the word worthy. This movie was worth 15 bucks for me, or at least the popcorn was. <laughs> and it's so worthy that I've planned well to get there and enjoy this movie. You don't want to miss it. Think about the holidays or birthday celebrations in your family, if you, if you have such celebrations. When you're hosting and you're anticipating your guests, if you're a good host, you prepare some food, you, you clean the house, Uh, You will let people know what is needed for the meal in addition to whatever you've prepared. Um, If you're having a lot of people over, you have to arrange for parking. If you are uh, having like a Yankee swap or white elephant kind of thing, you give the rules to the game. And then your guests show up at a certain time. They've brought the correct side dishes and they have their gift wrap and ready for the game, right? Because you've planned well. You've prepared for this party. And there's always those people whose email just seems to be broken. Everyone else, is, everyone else can receive emails and text messages. But these people, I didn't get your email. I had no idea. And they, and they show up and you're like, I'm going to pay for an IT person to go to your house and fix your email for you. But you know it's not going to work. Because the problem is they didn't read their email. right? Um, so in, in, in our world, in our life, and in our, in our nightmares, 
Uh, we plan, we anticipate, we prepare. Uh, it's just common sense. And we're motivated to do this because we expect something larger will happen when we get there to our destination. We might just have the crummiest throwaway uh, cracker crumbled green bean casserole. We're like, this is what I'm bringing. But you're not looking forward to that horrible casserole you made like five minutes before you came. You're looking forward to the turkey and the ham and all the good stuff that other people are bringing. So we know there's something better. We know there's friendship and fellowship prepared for us. Now these events, are, while they are important and good, we find them to be worthy of our careful preparation. And when we gather as the church body, um, this is something I want to tell you this morning, is worth your preparation before you come. It's worthy of your preparation, of your, of your time. And that's what Psalm 24 is talking about, as we'll see. Preparing your heart for worship. Number one, because when you come together as a body, you're, you're just that. You're the body of Christ made visible in the earth. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 20, we all play a different part in the body of Christ. And when we come together, we are literally coming together as Christ's body expression in this place. Some of us are the hands, some of us are the feet, some of us are important uh, internal organs, public parts, private parts, we're all here. And we all make up the body of Christ. That's the theology of the Bible. It says this, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. So in other words, there's no way you can not be part of the body if you're gathered in the name of Jesus. You just are. No matter how much you might say, I don't matter. You matter. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Every believer who's here today, the Bible promises in many different places, you have the Holy Spirit of Christ dwelling within you. It says in several places in the Bible, there's no question. And when we unite, when we carefully prepare and we come to worship, we form the larger body of Jesus. And that is why we have flexible services where we let people come and share what's on their heart. That is why we have the senior pastor able to pull out his guitar and be a you know, college student for a day and lead you in a song. We're open to the body being the body. And if all you had was me or Corey or the elders, where would the body be? Of course, there are many more parts of the body than are displayed on a Sunday morning. We have small groups, we have ministries and events and outreaches. 
But just as, as a picture, this is why we do church this way, because we believe in the body of Christ. We believe every person has the Holy Spirit. And we believe sometimes the word of the Lord that's most significant for a Sunday or any other day is hidden in the mouth of someone in this church. It might not be the senior pastor. The Holy Spirit. But just, so that's one, one reason to really come to worship prepared. Prepared to join together as a body. We're going to talk about how we prepare later on. Because it makes a big difference when we all come to church and say, you know, I'm part of the body. Where do I fit in? How do I jump into what God is doing today? It's a very practical and tangible reality that we form the body of Christ when we come together in this mysterious, mysterious way. But it isn't really just that at all. Uh, Biblically and historically, God is also present when God chooses to manifest himself among his people in special, unexpected ways. Moses said to the Lord when he was leading his people, and we read about, we were reading about this uh, in the Exodus in Mission 119 right now, unless your presence goes with us, we don't want to go forward. Now, God was present. God is everywhere. God is omnipresent. We believe that. But Moses was not willing to plod forward unless the presence of God was manifested before them. If he wasn't, Moses just didn't have the courage to do it. Uh, This is, God manifesting his presence is not something that people can make God do. Uh, God, God does what God wants to do when God wants to do it, because God is God and we are not. But God delights to reveal himself in a manifest way to his people. Think about even in, in uh, well, in worship this morning, to, to be honest with you, I felt that the Holy Spirit was manifested in a very special way this morning in worship. Uh, but God, it's God's prerogative. Uh, God can manifest himself. And manifest means clear and obvious to the eye or the mind. When God manifests himself, it can be understood and felt. There's a conviction for sin, perhaps, that wasn't there. There's the, the sense of God's unconditional love for each person. And God loves every person deeply and fully because God knows people better than they know themselves. There is spontaneous praise. There's physical healing in the, in the manifest presence of God. There's the ability to hear God's voice with greater clarity when his presence is there. There's an ability to surrender burdens that have been weighing you down. An ability to forgive people for horrible things that they've done to you. Uh, that you thought you'd never be able to overcome. Lives get restored. People get delivered from separation from God. God has, does awesome things, but we don't control God. We don't call down his presence, if you will. I liken this uh, uncontrolling. So I, I think about the church body that's gathered here today right now. Our job is to be, in an uncontrolling way, prepared for when God's presence comes. So uncontrolling preparation. And I liken this to when I, I, I'm having my 10-year anniversary this year with Jackie. And I did not, contrary to what some of you might think, I didn't force Jackie to love me or marry me um, or desire to be present with me. But I will tell you this, I created conditions that made it more likely. Um, I, first of all, the first week that we were dating, I allowed her to go shopping with me and pick out my clothes. People I used to not wear undershirts. I just, you know, some of you don't know, you're like, oh, I'm really self-conscious. But I'd have like a button-down shirt, and it'd be like button, no shirt on underneath, just, you know, nasty man body, which is never pretty, let's face it. 
Um, I let her shop for me and dress, dress me in the way that she thought was stylish. <laughs> and she liked that. I, could, I knew that she liked that. I, uh, I made an effort, extra effort to be clean. I still do. <laughs> to, have, to brush my teeth and have fresh breath. Not because I was forcing her to kiss me, but I was trying to make it more likely. <laughs> she caught a whiff of that spearmint. Maybe she'll kiss me. Right? Or maybe when I kiss her, it'll be a pleasant experience that she'd like to repeat in the future. Um, this is what we do in relationships. We, if you're in a relationship where you are being controlled by the love of your um, partner, then that's not necessarily the best place to be. Nor is that the best attitude to have towards God, a sense of, you know, you come here or else. God goes where he's wanted. In the eyes of the Lord, look across the earth to see whose hearts are fully his. And let me tell you, there are things you can do to make make it much more likely that God will manifest his presence in the church um, and in this church. The open secret is that God is going to actually show up in increasing measure in our church gatherings if we create better conditions. If we come to worship prepared to meet with him. And, uh, and I think God wants us wants to do so much more in us and through us as a body. Um, I, have, I have four kids now. I know, it's, even hearing myself say it, it's crazy. And sometimes we drive to church together, sometimes it's separate. But when we come to church together, and this is only my experience as someone with four kids, you get here by the skin of your teeth, it feels like. Um, <laughs> uh, it's brutally hard not only to prepare yourself for worship, as you, as you idealize in your mind what that might look like, to simply not sin in anger, uh, or selfishness towards the people in your house. It's hard to not only prepare for, for worship, but just not, you know, sin in a horrible way. And, um, and once you get here, and everyone is fed and watered and dressed in your family, it's not enough to, to, to prepare yourself by focusing on the singing or the preaching, because against what you might desire, your kids scream at unexpected times during worship. My, my son got his head stuck in the folding chair on Easter morning. I don't know how it happened, but he's like, oh, and everyone's like, you're a good, good father. That's what you are. And I'm like, how did you get your head stuck in the chair? So me and Jackie are like pulling him out of the chair. Everyone that sits over here knows this is a splash zone because my kids are knocking over cups of water and cocoa, which I like outlawed from anyone having anything. Um, kids can't whisper. But you know, no amount of preparation in terms of these mundane details of feeding, clothing, and managing your children, um, can be mitigated. You, know, you can't do anything about that. And I wouldn't want it any other way. I love to hear the sounds of children. As much as I roll my eyes when my kids knock over the water cup for the 10th Sunday in a row, or get their heads stuck in folding chairs, I wouldn't want it any other way, because I want my kids in worship. And I want your kids in worship. And I don't care. I don't care. I like it. That's not what I mean by preparing our hearts to meet with God in worship. We don't have to be completely focused, because as a parent, some of you know that you can't completely focus on the sermon or the music, necessarily. <laughs> My message is, preparing for worship is not about everyone behaving or looking nice or whatever, perfect. That's not what worship is about. It's about our hearts towards God. It's about our expectation uh, of God as we enter into his manifested presence here at the church. It's about our mindset of being an essential part 
of the body of Christ and thinking to ourselves, how do I link up with these people so we can manifest Jesus physically in this place? So every week I pray. I never heard another pastor pray this prayer, but the prayer that's on my heart is, God, as your, peop- your people all have the Holy Spirit, as they come together, let your presence be manifested in a tangible way because your physical body is coming together in unity. One. Two, let your, whole, let your presence be manifested apart from that in a special way as you see fit. That's why I pray every Sunday. But we need to do a good job of preparing our hearts for worship. That's what we need to do. Your kids are going to be gross and loud. That's great. I like it. I like it. I'm glad they're here. That's not praying for worship. Let's get ready for worship when we gather in this place or in small groups, whenever we come together as the church. Like we believe there's more coming from the presence of God for us than we're currently experiencing. And let's show up and just be prepared. Let's grab a cup of coffee. Let's come in a couple minutes early pray and talk to God and say, God, fill me with your spirit, if you can, or whatever you need to do with your kids, that's all fine too. This is a, not a message like that of condemnation. But let's come together thinking, let's manifest as a, as a body where I look at the other people and I see you are Jesus's facial expression today. And some of you have resting Bible face. I know you can't look happy all the time. I'm very proud of myself. Okay. Let's come together as the body and think of, think of that it's important. All worship in Psalm 24 begins with this idea. God is the creator and sustainer. If God was to cease sustaining us, we wouldn't die. We would disappear. That's what would happen. Verse 1 and 2, The earth is the Lord's and everything's in it. He founded the seas and established the waters. There's a couple different places in Scripture uh, one, one in Acts 17, one in Colossians. And what it says is this. God holds everything together by his powerful word. And in him we live and move and have our being. Worship starts with realizing that we are creation and he is creator. And that we are here because God wants us here. And that is pretty cool. And then it goes into, to verse 3. and asks this question. Who can ascend that mountain of the Lord? Stand in his holy place the one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Then it says, they will receive blessing from the Lord. That's a promise of scripture. If you meet those verses three and four uh, conditions, you'll receive a blessing from the Lord and you will ha- God has your back. You have vindication from God, your savior. Having clean hands does not mean you have perfect behavior all week long and like you drag yourself to church and you're like, oh, I'm a sinner, I can't come to God's presence. What it means is you're regularly confessing your sins to God and other people and saying, um, have, keeping short accounts. I have, I'm guiltless. Someone, someone knows that I fell, God knows that I fell and he's restored me by his grace and I'm ready to worship him now. That's all it means. Um, guiltless actions. Shame is a bad thing. That's when you confess your sin and you still feel guilt, something that feels like guilt. But God's covered it with his blood, so you're not supposed to feel guilt anymore. Uh, that's when shame kicks in. But guilt can be dealt with as it comes up in your life. Easily, by confessing it to Jesus. If you confess your sins, he forgives your sins and cleanses you every time. And if you confess your sins to another person that you can trust, 
All the better, honestly. That, that's something that really does help keep shame away. So clean hands, short accounts with God. Nothing between you and God when you come to worship. Not just on Communion Sunday, but every Sunday. A pure heart means right attitudes and motives. Now, why are you here? What's your motive for being in church gatherings? Is it to be to worship God as the creator and be a part of the body? Um, or, or do you have some ulterior motive? You know, why are you here? Um, what are your motives when you give financially? What are your motives when you, um, when, we, when you participate or don't participate in musical worship? Or listen or don't listen to the sermons? I, it's all about the heart. That's what God cares about. And when we have, we're not feeling guilt because we confessed our sins and we're good, you're just much more likely to fall right into this area of good attitudes and motives and worship. And then the final part of that is not lifting your soul to an idol. And what that means is not placing one's trust in something other than God. And sometimes we don't know how much we don't trust God until something happens with our health or our finances, and then we're, we realize that everything we trust, our health is gone or our money is gone, and we think everything's lost. Uh, but if, we, if you trust in God, underneath those good things, health, money, key people in your life, um, it means that you believe that God is behind all things. He's the stability holding your life together, not these other things. You're not lifting your soul before money. You're not lifting your soul before security or a certain type of lifestyle or the approval of certain people. You're lifting your soul before God alone. And then finally, uh, swearing by a false god, just simply another way of, of looking at that is not living lies, not swearing falsely, nothing in the dark. And everything comes back to that idea of just not having guilty hands when you come into God's presence. When you take care of that first part, not perfect behavior, but guiltless actions, you've taken care of your sin with God and with other people, everything falls into place nicely. I believe that. And it says if, if a person comes to worship, with, with, with clean hands, with guiltless hands, and a pure heart, right motives, not lifting their soul to another for security, that that person, in verse 5, will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. That's the generation that seeks God, that seeks his face. Such, and that, that's another modifier. Verse 6 is saying, people that receive blessing from the Lord, in verse 5, are the people who seek God's face. They're already seeking after God before they ever enter a worship gathering like this. Uh, if this were the case, that this church was composed of people that were already seeking God hard before they came into worship, I'm convinced not only would you experience more of God's manifest presence, but as a pastor or elders, we could come up and read a verse of scripture, and because you were so in tune with the voice of God in your life, it would cut right to your heart. You could experience the freedom and ministry of the word of God in your life, apart from any elaborate sermon with three to six points. If you're ready, if you're anticipating, if your heart is soft before God and you're, not, you're keeping short accounts and you're just living and dying without secrets, you come into a place ready to worship. It doesn't take much, people. It's God's presence that does all the work. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward we're going to sing that song as a whole band. Give us clean hands. And this is a prayer, as you can see, is based on the words of this psalm. 
It's just a cry out to the Lord. Here we are. Cleanse us. Give us uh, guiltless actions, right motives. Let us not lift our souls to another. And my, you know, the, the thing that God gave me for this church is this verse from Micah 7.1, maybe a year ago, when, when God says through the prophet, What misery is mine? I'm like the one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard, but there is no cluster of grapes to eat, none of the early figs that I crave. And, and what God said to me was, God often comes down to the church and he's looking for fruit. He's looking for people whose hearts are his. Instead, he finds nothing. Even though it's the right season, even though he has planted and watered, he doesn't find that heart. And I want New Life to be a place where God comes down here. He finds what he was looking for. He finds the things that he planted. He finds the weeds pulled up. He finds that his efforts and cultivation of his spirit has yielded fruit. So I, I, maybe we'll preach this message again next week. You know, when we come to worship, let's prepare. It doesn't mean looking like you have it all together. It doesn't mean your kids don't get their head stuck in a chair. It means that you have clean hands and a pure heart. You're not lifting up your soul to another. And that you are seeking his face before you get here. And you're ready to go. I believe that we can't coerce God or force God. But we can certainly create the right conditions. That's all we're called to do. May God fill us with his spirit fresh. Stand and sing with us. Give us clean hands and a pure heart. I want to bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That you would come together as a body and manifest Jesus' presence just by showing up ready to be that body of Christ. That you would be a people that prepare the way for the Lord. Lift up your hands, you ancient doors. The King of glory is coming. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. Awake, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine upon you, the word says. Let's come to, come to worship. Let's gather different. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to do immeasurably more than you could hope or imagine according to his riches that are in Christ the Lord. Amen. Go and be the church.